when I first met you at a meetup, I said, hey, I'm Tom. And you said, yeah, I have enough friends. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm married. (laughs) Sounds like me. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to episode 114 of PHP Ugly. I'm Tom Rideout, with here, here with me, as always, <laughs> Mr. Your Eric buddy, your pal, Eric Van Johnson. That's right. Hey, Thomas. How you doing? Just you, just you and I tonight, man. Yeah, John decided he was too busy raising children and stuff. I don't know. Get, get his, a little his wine? Usual, yeah, his usual excuse. Is it wine or is it fortified wine? It's uh, it's wine. Oh, it's wine that's been aged in uh, bourbon barrels. So uh, it's pretty good. Got a little, uh, got a little sweat uh, on the on the forehead here. I'm a little shiny. Trying to what? Uh, trying to what? Turn what up the AC for pushing? So it's uh, down to uh, like the 80s right now, but uh, it's still it's still rocking around 86, 87 during the day. Mm. But um. It's. I mean, it's fallen. It, it's slowly coming back down. It, it, we we started pushing like the nineties and hundreds, which I know probably isn't that big of a deal for you. I know that's not that big of a deal for my my mom and sister out in Arizona. But well, yeah, we're man. about ninety five right now during the day. Uh, can you imagine living in like one one ten one twelve area? No, that's I mean, that's irresponsible. That's it's stupid. Horrible. It's horrible. I I don't know how those people live like that it's it's amazing i I keep joking i I keep telling john we need to open a development shop out there all we need is like really good air conditioning and the people will just come to work just to be in the air conditioning (laughs) just below minimum wage but there's air conditioning but there's ac (laughs) ac and ice come on in (laughs) what you been up to man oh you know uh the usual, doing doing the big development release cycle. So I'm working on front end and back end and every task that that they can find to throw at me, <laughs> and doing a lot of interesting reading lately. Oh, don't get me started on reading. What do you re- what are you reading? Uh, I've been reading a lot about artificial intelligence and ethics and weapons. It's been a it's been a weird week for <laughs> weaponized technology. Wow. Okay. That's that's a little deeper than where, where I was going with it. <laughs> Wait, where were you? Visual well, novels and anime schoolgirls. Uh, John John had told me that he was reading this book called The Phoenix Project, and he says, "Yeah, you know, there's a lot of lessons learned, blah blah blah, this that." I I swear to God, I I picked it up. I got about through the first five or six chapters. And I told John, I'm like, dude, you're giving me PTSD. I'm like, if if you've ever... So, so this is the thing. If you've never worked in Enterprise, read The Phoenix Project. Now, disclaimer, I haven't finished it, so I don't know where it's going. But I can tell you right now, as completely absurd as the first five chapters, five or six chapters, sound to you, I can 100% vouch that is the life of enterprise IT. 100% across the board. What happens in that book actually happened to me in a cycle over and over and over again. That is enterprise IT in a nutshell. 
I'm very curious where the rest of this book's going to take me. I'm having stress disorder trying to listen to it. It's conjuring up all these horrible memories. I'm drinking much heavier than I typically <laughs> drink. I mean, it is. it was shocking. I'm not exaggerating, Thomas, when I say that I had moments where I, I am re- listening to the book. I have it on uh, Audible. I'm listening to this book, and I'm honestly thinking, do I know this person? Was this person, did we work together? Because he is nailing some things, like, on the nose. You know, these crazy, absurd, from the ass kissers to the, to the you know, I know nothing but security. I don't know... I don't know how to fix stuff. I just know how to point fingers and blame people for security things. And I mean, he just absolutely nails the the, the whole character base and every enterprise IT organization. Um, So if you haven't worked in enterprise and you really want to know what that craziness is like, which, spoiler alert, if you're a college student, you should know. If If you're getting into tech through an education pipeline then you should know what enterprise is actually like because that's where you'll start and again it's not about tech it's not about it it's about politics and wow so yeah if you want to know what enterprise it is like get the phoenix project if you've worked in enterprise it and you've escaped and you want to rehash the good old days check out phoenix the phoenix project But man, oh man, I I'm I am absolutely floored with how dead on this book has been with some of my experiences in the enterprise, and uh, it's very hard for me to kind of articulate it. But this book does a great job at it, especially. And I don't know. I I, I wish John was on the, on the show today because I'd really like to pick his brains about it because. I think that I picked up on things in that book that m- maybe he didn't. Maybe he, you know, he, it kind of it kind of blew right past him because, like I said, I experienced it time and time again. I got hammered with these situations, and there are particular little like irky pain points that would occur that you kind of look for that this author was nailing in, in his storytelling. So I'm curious what John took away from it because John was all about, oh yeah, you know, goes into talks about lessons learned and how to manage people and how to you know, do this and maybe it does <laughs> he's, later. He's got a different takeaway completely. Exactly. Maybe it does later. I haven't I haven't gotten to that section of the book yet, but man, oh man, man, I I can't stress enough how dead on this book is. So check it out, the Phoenix Project. Uh, no, good, good book. I, I had I had something along a similar lines. I've had two experiences with customer support in the last two days that were mm-hmm. sort of the opposite possible ends of the spectrum. Uh, I have Comcast Internet, mm-hmm. and I found out that that Netflix's Fast dot com has changed how they're tracking uh, certain things like packet loss and latency and things like that. They added a bunch of new features. So I go to check it out and discover that my internet speed is capped, like hard capped at 80 megabit. I'm sorry, 80, yeah, 80 megabit. 
You need bigger. Well, I mean, that, that's pretty high, but I mean, you can definitely. Get but bigger. I'm paying for two twenty. Okay. Yeah. That's like I'm, a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm straight up. There are cheaper plans. I'm not on the cheaper plan. I'm paying for two twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I run lots of tests on different speed tests, and it's not it's not just the one computer that's getting seventy. It's all my computers, mm-hmm. and it's not just the one site it's every site it's everywhere i can find is capped at 70 or 75 to 80 just hard it's never mm-hmm. going above mm-hmm. and so i called comcast and that they, they sent out a tech support the next day okay and i'm like okay that's better than previously and the tech support comes and he says okay well where's the computer you're doing the speed test on so i bring him into my office Mm-hmm. And if you're a nerd and you see my office, you kind of go, oh, you're a nerd too. I see. Mm-hmm. I've got the 3D printer set up, and I've got my three monitors set up, and I've got LED underlighting for my desk so I d- re- relieve eye strain. I've got the microphone on a boom and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's So if you're a nerd, you can immediately tell what kind of nerd I am. And and so he started, go- he started going through diagnostic stuff, uh, we he just skipped over the basic diagnostic stuff. He's mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, you do, you do it. You know what you're doing." And I was talking to him about my days as a sysadmin, and we ended up just hanging out for like 45 minutes. You made a friend. Yeah. Well, so, so he he plugged in his setup directly to the modem, and it clocked at a straight 220 megabit. Mm-hmm. And hate it when that happens. Yeah, and that, and so I looked at him like, "Well, shit! It's it's a two it's a two foot cable from the modem to the router, and it's another two foot cable from the router to the machine I'm testing on right now. So it's my router. My router's fucked up because it's a hundred degrees in the house. And he he says, "I'm not allowed to tell you that it's your router, but it's not your computer, and it's not the modem." <laughs> <laughs> And then he pulls up, like, his laptop, and he's VPNed to a hotspot in his truck. Mm-hmm. And it's got, and he shows me, like, an overhead layout of my entire neighborhood and the signal strength of, like, all 16 upstream and cha- or downstream channels. And he's shown me, like, the ticket response times for the neighborhood. And he's just got toys that he wants to show me. So we spend, <laughs> like, four, like I said, 45 minutes just looking at the toys he has. Mm-hmm. And it was a ton of fun, and I ended up having to order a new router, and that's coming in tomorrow and whatever. Great customer service experience. In my, from Comcast. In my, com- from, Comcast from, has, from the worst company in America. Yeah, has, yeah. has yeah, a reputation of not being that customer friendly. Well, and, and I told him, I told him like a couple months ago, my internet went down, and I called in, and they, they scheduled a support guy to come in, and my internet came back up, and so the guy just never showed up and never contacted me. And he pulled up a list of all of the calls on my tree, in my node, on my branch, in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, here's all the calls that no one ever bothered showing up for. <laughs> it's just, like, it just like, oh, they got a system right, for it. So okay. the real question is, and I've had this experience, was the technician an honest-to-goodness Comcast technician or was he a contractor? He was an honest to goodness Comcast guy, uh, and he was I've telling had... me about the hierarchy of the people who do tech who are contractors, and 
he was telling me about the FCC's regulations on noise on coaxial lines. Like, we really got into it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've had pretty good experiences with tech support for my cable company, but it always seems to be when they're contractors. Like, those guys are willing to to shoot the shit with me and, and talk geek with me and seem to know a little better what they're talking about than the the actual employees of the cable company. Well, so that was a great experience. The next day, I get a package, and this is, it's an e-cigarette thing, so it's kind of an ugh, stupid thing, but there's one screw in this package that didn't get machined properly. Mm-hmm. Like, all this stuff is made in China. That's very, very terrible quality control. And my issue was one three-millimeter screw, just the tiniest little screw that didn't have a hole drilled in it, that needed to have a, absolutely needed to have a hole drilled in it. And so I contacted the vendor I bought it from, and they sent me an RMA form to send the whole thing back and then wait five days while they verified that there was a hardware problem and then send me a complete replacement unit. Yeah. And I emailed him back, and I'm like, you understand that that's an incredibly massive pain in the ass for a, a $1 part that you could ship for $0.25. Cents. Right. Like, and I already, wait, I, mean, I already paid like $7 for shipping, for three-day shipping. Why would I want to sit here and wait two or three weeks to get a screw in the mail from you guys? <laughs> like, mm. it, it's automated RMA systems. Are, are part of shopping packages online. And they're always terrible. Automated mm-hmm. RMAs are the worst thing you can do to a customer. Where if a customer complains and you just send them a shipping label, you haven't listened mm-hmm. to the complaint. Mm-hmm. And like when a customer is complaining is the time when you should listen the most. Mm-hmm. You should not automate that conversation. Right. Right. And it just drives me just drives me nuts. And I got two RMAs because I got an RMA label through their automated system and then I got an RMA label through their store automated system. So they had a they had a fulfillment system that responded as well as their store system. Mm-hmm. So they don't even know what they're doing. Just, just Yeah, I awful. actually I actually had a, a weird similar experience today where I was uh, I'm having some service done in my house tomorrow. And uh, they called, left a message, said, hey, you know, confirming our appointment tomorrow. There's one question about your ticket. Uh, Please give us a call back. Let us know uh, so we can discuss it. I'm like, all right. And I must have written the number down wrong. Uh, I was off by like one number, the last last number. I mean, that's kind of important with phone numbers. I I hate the accuracy. It's a bit of a pain in the ass. And I hate phone calls just in general. Like, I really despise having to answer my cell phone as a cell phone. It's like, don't call me. Why are you calling me? Send me a message or something. Don't call me. I have, I can't track this information. Well, the first but, 30 uh, seconds of any phone call are trying to figure out if it's a bot or not. This is true. Is, am yeah. I even speaking to a real person? So anyways, I, I obviously take down the wrong number, but I don't realize this. And I call call the number back, and it's a service. I'm like, hey, uh, somebody named Katie called me. I missed her call. She's calling me about my appointment tomorrow. Uh, I'm having this work done, blah, blah, blah. She says there's a problem with the ticket. She goes, 
yeah, Katie's out of the office right now. Uh, let me get your name and number, and she'll call you right back. I'm like, okay, thanks. You know, do that. Wait a couple of hours. She doesn't call. And like I said, the appointment is for tomorrow, tomorrow morning, early. I'm like, well, man, I really hope they're co coming out. So I call again, and I'm like, you know, same service. You can tell that it's an answering service. Like, you can tell it's not the company. And I'm like, same same routine, calling for Katie. Katie's out of the office right now. Can I take a message? Yeah, yeah, this, that, the other thing. We'll give her your message and call, you know, she'll call you back. It, and it was weird because this time she, she, she asked, what is your zip code? I'm like, my, my zip code? Um, okay. <laughs> and so I, I give her my zip code. Wait a, couple of, wait a couple more hours. I'm like, you know, it's getting closer to the end of the day. I'm like, man... This is going to be an issue if they don't show up tomorrow morning. So I call again. And it's like the same routine. Katie's out of the office right now. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's kind of important. This appointment's, you know, tomorrow morning, blah, blah, blah. So I hang up. We hang up with this this uh, note taker this time. And about five minutes later, I get a call. And it's like, hey, this is Jerry. I'm calling from Investment International. Uh, I got to admit... You're trying to get in touch with us. I'm like, what? I'm not trying to get in touch with you. He's like, I've got three messages here. You're in you're in my zone that you're trying to get in touch with us. I'm like, no, I'm trying to get in touch with this service who has an appointment with me in the morning. Oh, that's not us. You must have the wrong number. And I'm like, think to myself. <laughs> you called me. Freaking God damn it. It's like. <laughs> Who who the hell who the hell was this other person taking this message, telling me the person I was calling was not in the office? You know, it, it was so frustrating. But yeah. So hey, I, I got I got I want to talk to you about something. It's something we don't talk about a whole lot. Before you do, interested. I gotta say okay. I have another customer service issue coming up tomorrow, and I think that it's important that people who are as dumb as me are aware of it. But. The default booking for Bahia Resort at Wave PHP, <laughs> it, the checkout date is the same as the last day of the, the conference. Of the conference. Yes. I had assumed that the checkout date would be the next day so that you could get plastered after the conference. I mean, and, we, we, and we I, totally I, I, encourage you. I want to say, I wish... I really honestly did believe to myself that getting plastered after the conference was the intention of the the last day of the conference. <laughs> like my that's where my 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 mentality immediately went was like great, conference ends, four fifty, everyone's gonna meet up at the bar afterwards, right? And then we all pass out and get on a plane the next day. Nope. That's not so, typically so. So, like I was explaining to you, typically at conferences, I mean, and, and this will tie into a little bit of what I want to talk about as well. Uh, but like at a conference, there is the I would say overwhelming majority that this is an extension of their work. Their work week is from Monday to Friday, and so they that's want the to get excuse. Home. That's what you say to your boss. They but I don't think home to nobody who's attending believes that. <laughs> I can assure you, in most conferences, at least all the conferences I I have gone to, the default checkout date of a hotel is the last day of the conference. And and like I said, I told you the the conference is more than willing. I mean, the hotel 
is more than willing to check your bags, hold on to your bags, but... Yeah, no, they're very nice about it. They said, we'll hold your bags as long as you need us to. We don't give a shit. But, but check I will out say, I will say, it's San Diego. The last day of the conference is Friday. You've got a nice little weekend following it. Stay a couple extra days. I mean, Thomas, you lived here, so it wouldn't be that big of a deal for you anyways. There is so much fun, so much to do here in San Diego, and where the Bahia Resort is, is just plastered with things around it that you, you, you could stay within a 10-mile radius of the yeah. Bahia Resort and, and easily burn through two days without it's, even... It's plastered with places to get plastered. This is true. This is very true, yes. Yeah, all and the good thing about it is they're all walking distance. You don't even have to drive anywhere, so you can. So I have to I have to call Bahia tomorrow and and ask them if they can just extend it by one day for me, without needing me to like cancel the reservation and then reschedule oh, yeah. it. Oh yeah, I'm sure they can. I'm, I'm sure they can. It's hotels. They they're the the shiftiest people with credit cards you've ever heard of. If you've never dealt with hotel credit card systems, oh my god, they just they're insane what what people can get away with credit cards hotels do yeah and and you have work paying for yours right yeah that was the issue i'd already sent them i already sent them the invoice for like 500 and something dollars and now i've got like tack 100 169 bucks back onto it again yeah Yeah. if i if i had to if i had to sport the whole thing myself like if they said you screwed up too late then i could Mm -hmm. crash at like any of 10 houses in san diego Mm mm-hmm but yeah. But yeah. just so other people, if if other people make the same mistake as me, because the only other conference mm-hmm. I did was Laracon, and that was all scheduled by my boss, and he knew full well what we were doing the night we finished the conference, so he scheduled right. us for an extra night already. Well, and he and he he had scheduled the flight, the the airfare, and everything for you guys. So, I mean, he yeah. Knew see, I'm scheduling this one all on my own because I'm the only one who has air travel or accommodations. Because <laughs> the rest of the whole rest of my company is already in downtown San Diego. You've got to learn how to milk it, man. You got to tell them, hey, I I couldn't catch a flight on Saturday, so I actually have to fly out Sunday morning. So I need another couple extra days. And I, I'm I'm working on milking it other ways. It's <laughs> we'll see how, we'll see how it works out. So what's what was your you had a, a related issue related I do. concern? I do. Um, so in. We have Ted in the uh, Ted Nugent has joined us in chat, and uh, it's funny. Oh God, I was I'm just not on the chat. Through, I was just going through the schedule today, uh, so his question is basically, you know, are we going to record from Wave PHP, and uh, you know, just you know, are we going to record from P- Wave PHP? He says he's not going to attend, but I'm sure Ted. Will you have a couple months? Sweet talk your bosses. You know, beg, borrow, steal, whatever you need to do to get down to San Diego. We'd really appreciate it having you. But uh, whether or not we're going to record. So uh, the way it plays out right now, I mean, you know, we're, we are scheduled for a show on the 20th, which would be the second day of the conference. So um, the, the first official day would be the day after the the... Tutorial day, yeah. The, the training yes, day. Yes, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the first day of general sessions, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm super paranoid about how busy we're going to be. So, I, I'm kind of hesitant to commit to, yes, we will. And quite honestly, we 
you know, we've done podcasts from conferences before. We did it at uh, PHP Tech last year. And it's just an unpleasant experience for everybody. Um, okay, now, I, I will say this, is that we, the, the conference that you and I and John have been to together was Laracon 2016. Uh, no, John wasn't there, just you and I. John's wow. only been to one Laracon. John went to Laracon in New York last year with me. So was it just me and you? Just you and I. And, and, and your your whole group. Yeah. But now, there there was a podcast meetup in the middle of the hotel lobby. And mm-hmm. as busy as the two of you will be, I will absolutely not be busy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And so... I will be doing a a group doom and gloom unless I get interrupted by people who will stop me. <laughs> so podcast. what we'll do? What we'll do? I think what we'll do for sure is we'll make sure we set up a room for, if nothing else, for you to have a live PHP ugly for anybody who wants to join. We're not going to put you up on stage. Or we won't do it up on stage. We, we talked, to... yeah, we talked about that. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna work out for this year because you guys, like you said, you guys don't know what it's gonna be like to yeah. do. But but this just in giant running, just in thing. general, I, I think if we just have it in a room somewhere uh, and like record it like it's a normal podcast, but just make it so other people can join uh, if they're interested, then you know that might work. Uh, but whenever we try to record, like do this whole. You know, hey, get up on stage and record a podcast. It just, just, I don't know. I, I, I've never, I've never really been impressed with the quality. Yeah. It's supposed to be fun and goofy, and it kind of is if you're there. But if you're listening, it's kind of like, what's going on? I wait, what's happening? I, I don't well, care. and this, this is already not a good podcast. This is true. Okay, so you're <laughs> leading into things. So, in case you didn't know, Thomas, we do a podcast. And, and people listen to our podcast. So I, I have some questions for you. Uh, the A lot of this came up. I, so I recently had a conversation, and I'll, I'll withhold some names. But um, I had a conversation. It's usually, usually good. And, and the conversation kind of went, uh, hey, have you made connections or friends doing the podcast? Like, are, are, Do people kind of seek you out and and want to engage with you. And my my absolute first response was, no, no, it's, I don't even think of the fact that we're doing a podcast. Like, it really is just us talking. And then I start to, I start to remember, like, you know, all the people like we have in chat. Yeah. Like right now we have Ted and, uh, uh, what's the Nemo or, or I, I forget their names. I'm so bad with names. Well, we and, had like Dev Guy four twenty the other the other week. Yeah, and I've gone to conferences, and, and it just happened in Austin where people have walked up to me and says, "Hey, I listen to the show. I enjoy it." Thanks, Eduardo. Thank you, Ted. That that's another really good one. Eduardo is always listening to us. See, this uh, is why I'll, we need fans, though, is to keep track of our other fans. Not fans, just listeners. They're not fans. That's the other no, thing they, I told them. Like. I like, we don't I like have to lie fans. to myself about that at least. <laughs> no, no, we don't have fans. We have listeners. We have friends. But uh, uh, and I, I, you know, like I said, it happened down in um, Austin. Somebody walked up, and says, "Hey, you know, I listen to you. I enjoy your show. Um, you know, thanks. Keep up the good work." And I, and I, I 
you know, found myself pivoting. I'm like, no, actually, I've made a lot of good contacts. I mean, people I, I have conversations with on an ongoing basis, uh, either through Twitter or through uh, one of the Slack channels I belong to. Yeah, see, that's what I was going to say is that, uh, that names that I would know know me as well. They're not necessarily reaching out to me or anything like that, but I, I get less lost in the, the Twitter melange. Mm-hmm. Um, people like Matt Lance. Um, th- there are... <laughs> I guess Taylor, Taylor Otwell knew who we were before we did the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that actually bring up, brought up another point. So, so the the Matt Lance Sean is a perfect example of people who we connected with and actually started to to build a professional relationship with. At least I know I have. Now, yeah, that's um, the thing is that that's your job. My job is not to build professional relationships. I like my sort of day to day format. But mm-hmm. you're an entrepreneur. You're a business owner. You have, let's say, a conference. So. <laughs> It's it's yeah. a different it's a different thing for you where you you have a launching off point to to meet people and talk to people whereas I don't really care I just know that well, if I respond it, to them on Twitter they'll see it. And what's really weird is I am such an introvert. Like I really struggle to approach people and have conversations. And my kids always say uh that I have a a resting bitch face. Like Nobody, w- yes, nobody wants to approach you, Dad, because you mm-hmm. look mean. And I told, I told John when John and I first started going to conferences together. I told him, I'm like, watch this. Whatever table I sit at, nobody will sit with us. And John's like, you've never been to you know tech before. Yeah, people will sit with you. <laughs> never. They never sit John, with me, John. and I ha- I have serious anxiety about this. But yeah, I, but, I, but John has John is cursed with handsomeness. I yeah, mean, John, he's, he's so he he exudes guy. like a natural charisma where people are like, I bet that guy runs his own company. You know, so, so you, he's not too when, tall. You're too tall. You sit too, down in I'm a chair tall. and you're still taller than some people who are standing. <laughs> So when I went up to Vancouver this year, one of the things I did was I went and saw Sean from Lair Chats. And again, this was just based on the friendship that we've built over the years from doing podcasting. And I had other people reach out to me when I was in Vancouver who wanted to hook up and say, hey, you know, can we go grab a beer or something? Is that the right and, word? And uh, <laughs> And honestly, I was like, I'm like, listen, you know, we're, we're, I was up there with my wife. We, we were doing the vacation things. We weren't really planning our days out. And I just would say, you know, hey, I'm going to be in this area. If you're in this area, let me know if I'm around. I mean, I wasn't trying to sound like a douche, but I'm like, if I'm around, yeah, we can grab a beer. I'm definitely <laughs> this is very elitist. I know. I just, I just Connect with my manager. He'll let you know where you can meet up with me. <laughs> But but the, the the thing is, is you, you have no idea what that took for me to even do that. Like I'm like, oh, okay, of well, I know, do. I, I I just can't. And and this is where so this is where John and I have the whole yin and yang thing as far as running a company. Like I can sit there and do all the nasty grunt work. I can be you know I can be the hammer that drops and do all this other stuff. But we go we have like the user group for example that we run. And 
I'd be perfectly happy just not associating with anybody. Not that I'm an elitist or I'm I'm selfish or anything like that. I just I don't have the faculties to engage in conversation. I'm really bad at it. And John, I mean, I think I think when I first when I first met you at a meetup, I said, "Hey, I'm Tom," and you said, "Yeah, I have enough friends. Thanks." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm married. This sounds like me. No, so I know talk, exactly. You... I know exactly what you mean. But see, I I specialize in doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. That's my. That's I, I. I had to come to grips with that earlier this week, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, so if you get me started on something, I can just go, and that's mm-hmm. my my social skill is that I can just go endlessly, and then I have to read the room while I'm talking to see if I need to stop right now, mm-hmm. and that's how yeah. I learn to deal with with group communication. But but now and, and you you touched on another aspect of this is I've learned putting myself out there week after week basically is what we do and like voicing my opinions, voicing my thoughts, voicing my concerns, voicing not everybody likes you. And sometimes Oh yeah, no. We we, yeah. we fucked up. We fucked up big one time. <laughs> Just one time, a couple times. What are you talking oh, about? No, there was there was one time I can think of where where Twitter was talking about us. We got Again, we got I, I really can think of a couple out. times. Which, I'm I'm curious about which one you're thinking of, but we don't we don't need to rehash that. No, and, no need to. And and you know I feel like you know some of the people who you know have disagreed with me, I could really actually not care about. You know there there have been a couple. That I still try to stay in touch with, and you know, I'll ping him every now and then on Telegram or something. You know, try to bring up a conversation about a basketball game or something like that. That, yeah, I'm really, really would. I respect their professionalism. I respect who they are, and I, I kind of want to keep that relationship established with them. But, but again, you can. We've definitely been kind of categorized within certain communities of who we are, and 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 you know what what side of the fence you know, we, we belong to. So, but, um, you, did you realize that we actually are on iTunes, right? Did you know this? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're listed sort of what universally. Have you ever gone to iTunes? I, I just did this this week. I didn't even, I didn't even realize this was a thing. I mean, no, it's funny is, because we always have it on the, on the, on the end of the show, we say, hey, you know, ratings and reviews on iTunes is appreciated. And it is, because I think I think we get, you know, moved around based on that. And people have actually submitted reviews on our shows. Oh, and no. It's, it's funny, because I hear this a lot of time, even on Twitter, of, I'm not really sure what the show is about. It's like, <laughs> I feel like it's... I feel like... As a developer, I feel I feel like welcome there. Like we're talking like stuff I should be interested in, but they don't really talk about anything. And yeah, it was that, that's kind of the reviews. I mean, all the review, reviews are good. They there's a four star and a five star review. Uh, the the one I know the, the, this person uh, really well, and and I guess I can call him out because it's on iTunes. I don't think I'm seeing this thing any, anything special because it's my podcast, but. It's uh, Jonathan Wheat, who um, I again I I met him at Laracon, I believe last year, in New York, 
and again, he he walked up and says, "Hey, I listen to your show." I'm like, "Hey," and I knew I knew who he was when he approached me because, you know, we have we have built up a relationship on on Twitter, um, but I don't know when. It doesn't tell you when the review was posted. It doesn't give you a yeah. date. But I get the impression this was some time back because he's he's giving me props for my intros when I was when I used to relate the intros to. You know the number, the episode number, and uh, well, that stopped like, yeah. at at what ninety nine. Yeah, you guys killed it. I think at ninety nine. We didn't. Okay, we didn't kill it. No, you killed it. You told me to stop doing it. it was dumb, and nobody appreciated it. I mean, I'm just paraphrasing. <laughs> but that's exactly what no, you said. No, I said I said I'm changing the format a little <laughs> bit to 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 match other podcasts I listen to. So that's why, like every now and then, I think you know, like every five shows or ten shows. After the intro, we need to actually talk about what the show is supposed to be so that people know they're in the right place because you never know when we're going off on a tangent like we're doing now. That's a good point. We should, we should say this is episode 114 of PHP Ugly, a podcast about developers. Mm. That's what I mean. We're just developers talking, talking about yeah, our just, week. just hanging out. <laughs> we could we could do a whole story like a, a flashback of of Tom Tom moved to Colorado Springs and wanted to keep contact with his friends in San Diego. So they decided to have a podcast every week. But that's not true. Dude, we did this podcast for like a year I know, before you moved. Which is the crazy part cuz my understanding of the podcast is completely Based in a false memory I've somehow implanted. <laughs> like, when did you move to Colorado? February 12th of two years ago. So, February 12th of 2016. No, that can't be right. Mm-hmm. No, because we started doing the podcast in March of 2016. Yeah, sounds about are, right. Were you already in Colorado, though? So, we didn't start doing the podcast until you moved to Colorado... Well, what do you no. know? I think I. Yeah, because I remember talking about you moving. I remember talking about you moving on the show. I'll, I'll have to look. I'll have to look again. Then I'm, I'm out of sorts. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, we've been doing this for a while now, man. Because I'm looking at iTunes. Our first, our first published show was uh, uh, March fifteenth of twenty sixteen, and here we are. What's this, June? July? July 7th? Well, we're on July 19th. Of... See, I think I have it right. I think I think we decided to do the podcast when I moved. I don't think so. I mean, maybe? I don't remember. I'd have to go back and listen. Either way, yeah. I, do, I do have some actual real PHP news because something weird happened this week. Okay, let's hear it. Do you follow the... The official PHP Twitter? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't jump out at me, but I, I'm, I follow it. That's what happened this week, was it okay. started to jump out. Okay. I... Oh, Ted Nugent says we're hard to find on Spotify. We'll have to work on that. We are hard to find... Yeah, I don't know how you publish it. So we only, we only publish to two platforms, iTunes and um, uh, Google... Cast. No, Google Music uh, are the two that we publish. Oh, to. right, right. We publish to them through Simplecast, and then all these other, other all these other podcatchers, and I, I don't know how they find us, but they 
they seem to find us. I, I didn't even realize Spotify did podcasts, so I'll, I'll work I'll on that. Look, yeah, I'll have to look at that. So, uh, all of a sudden, the official PHP Twitter account got a personality. So if you hop on to twitter.com slash official underscore PHP, there was a big RFC voting session, and the official PHP Twitter account thought that it was just hilarious. <laughs> so uh, the incomparable RFC object comparison fails, five in favor, 12 opposed. Don't be so sensitive. Case and sensitive constants are deprecated as of PHP 7.3. RFC passed unanimously with 39 votes. I did see that one. Undocumented functions? Not on my watch. Undocumented MB string alias functions deprecated in PHP 7.3. Like, a total personality shift. Somebody took over the official PHP Twitter and decided that they were just going to market the shit out of things. (laughs) And That's so there awesome. was this, there was this giant session. If you re- if you responded to any of these tweets, the person running the account would respond back with some quippy remark. And I love it that this is this is what most publicly supported groups do now. They have a witty Twitter account, but it was weird to me that it just like happened all of a sudden with official PHP. Like there, no one said. <laughs> No one said, hey, I'm blah, 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 and I'm taking over the PHP account. It just all of a sudden had a personality. So you want to know a little trick with um, finding good people to, to follow on Twitter? I always hear people about, talk about what a, what a dumpster fire Twitter is, and I, I never understood it because it's, like, it's a, literally a curated list that you, can, you have control over. And... One of my one of my little secrets to finding good people to follow on Twitter is to, when you see uh, Twitter handles like this, the official PHP Twitter handle, and they're only following forty three people. Those forty three people are probably good people to follow, and you kind of start to branch <laughs> out from there. Yeah, this is. Uh, I actually got a few here. I'm not following, but yeah. So the the big news was, like I said, a bunch of RFCs got voted on for PHP 7.3, which I thought was feature-locked, but apparently it is not. Um, and the, the big one is case... Well, God, there are so many weird ones. There, there were so many voted on. Uh, Case-insensitive constants. Did you know about that at all? Did not. I thought constants were always uppercase. Yeah, so did I. But apparently when you define, when you use the define function, there's a third argument that defines whether or not it's case sensitive. And you can do lowercase constants in PHP. And I guess someone finally said that's stupid and got Mm -hmm. rid of it. So now that's completely deprecated. Um... Again, uh, one of the criticisms of PHP is undocumented stuff or poorly documented stuff. So undocumented MB string function aliases, like 10 of them are now decremented. Uh, search, search string functions with integers as the needle. 
search string functions were integer. Right, so uh, string POS, where you pass the string in as the first argument, and then you pass a number in as the second argument, mm -hmm. returns a different response than if you put the number in quotes, because it expects either a string to search for or a position in the string to search. So they've decremented that. It'll cast it to a string now. Yeah, I, I don't I don't quite understand the text here, but if a non-string is passed, it will be converted to an integer and interpreted as an ASCII code point. <laughs> so it would just, I mean, it would just not work, essentially. Uh, F get SS. <laughs> some, some filter flags for F get SS and... Uh, stream processing that were never ever used but were available in the INI file or deprecated. <laughs> a lot of a lot of these make PHP look really bad. Oh, but they're cleaning them up. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. They're cleaning them up. Yeah. Um, assert, which which we all know from unit testing, is not a built-in PHP function. Mm hmm. Uh, so now assert will be built into PHP. That's great. Um, ODBC INI directives that were never followed are now deprecated. It's just interesting stuff. I mean, like, seeing PHP progress in this way where stuff is getting deprecated and eliminated and... Uh, it's just it's nice to it's really nice to see clean up like this. Yeah. But I was I was really interested in the personality change of the PHP Twitter. <laughs> that was uh, I, that that was ultimately what, what drew you in, huh? Okay, uh, we were talking. Uh, I forget what we were talking about, but you had me very envious. Uh, we're we're going to get back on the personal track. You had me very envious this week. You went to a baseball game, a minor league baseball game this this week. I did. I went to the Sky Sox. Dude, I am a huge fan of minor league baseball. Um, minor league baseball. I can easily is, understand that. It was hilarious. It, it, it is so, because these, and you went to AAA. So the reality of it is, like, you went, like, the, the people you saw in AAA are basically major leaguers who are just looking for an opening. I mean, they, no. they have, no, 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 they, that's what AAA is. They, they, There's a lot have... of that in AAA, but like uh, like a conversation I was having with my wife while we were there was she she was looking at these guys and saying, these guys are all 19, 18, 20. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, yes, but no. Look at that guy. He's 35. He's yeah. 40. And he's, mm -hmm. still, he's still batting, and he's still on the roster because he's an icon for the league. He's mm -hmm. an icon where he... His job is to be a batter who teaches other batters how to be a batter. And that guy over there, he'll never bat professionally, but he'll be a batting coach. So he's, his batting coach is teaching him how to be a batting coach for other teams. Right. So it, it isn't just players. There's the whole management infrastructure. Right, but my, my point being that, that at that level, they, they've topped out of, of getting as far as they can without being in the major leagues. Yeah, I still there's, going... there's clear physical peaks and interest peaks. And and I enjoy watching that, but I enjoy more watching the double A and single A ball players, the, the the people that are just getting into the grind, that are just learning 
learning the game, the really learning the game, like the ones that who were complete studs in high school and thought they knew everything about baseball and figured that they could hit a home run off any pitcher you threw at them. And they're introduced to A-ball, and they realize, shit, this is hard. (laughs) Now, okay, but you've watched – I've never watched a AAA game before you have. Mm -hmm. There's a play play timer? That's new, yeah. And and actually, that play timer has made its way into Major League Baseball this year. So that's that's all very new, yeah. So that's that's one of the fun things about watching Minor League Baseball is they'll introduce new rules – in minor league baseball, and they'll play it out for a season or two. Uh, so the first time I saw the play timer was actually at, when Laracon was in uh, Louisville. Uh, that was my favorite thing about Louisville. Is I remember I walk- you disappeared for four hours to watch that game. I invited you to come with me, and you're like, I'm not walking to no baseball stadium. Uh, okay, no, what I said was <laughs> I'm not paying $15 for a beer. <laughs> but that... That was the first place I saw the the timer, and and yeah, they'll they'll work out these little uh, you know kinks in in the rules and, and manipulating the rules a little bit uh, in minor league baseball for a season or two, and then it'll bubble up to the major league level. So yeah, that that actually actually got introduced this year. It it and, was really it was interesting to watch because I mean besides let let's remove the baseball game from it completely. Because the, it yeah, would, why, why why would we keep that in the mix? Because it's only just for baseball. the for for a point of reference. <laughs> okay. Every every time there was a, a a team change or an inning over, they had like an interstitial thing where the mascot ran out, mm-hmm. and he had two kids from the audience, and they did like a sack race, and. And the the mascot was great. He was, like, super hyped for the whole thing. And the kids were, like, because the stadium held, like, a 1,000 people or maybe 500 people, you saw the kids for the whole game before you saw them on the field. And then you were like, that kid was sitting next to me. And you were super excited for him. But then there were these college, like, obviously college interns who had to haul the equipment out for the 30-second for the sack race and then collect it and haul it back in. And I was sitting close enough that I could see how broken they were inside that this oh, was their college internship. Oh, yes, they were. No. The the guy and the girl hauling out the inflatable hamburger were just defeated beyond belief <laughs> because their whole job was 90 seconds long, and that included a 30-second sack race. I'm sure they had other responsibilities than hauling out an inflatable hamburger. I'm sure I'm sure they didn't show up the work day just to do that 90-second uh, task. I don't know. One of the things internships teaches you is, is the defeat of reality, that your job I is just to haul a burger. I, I, had, I had such dreams of playing minor league baseball i thought for sure i was going to play minor league baseball i i never i never really anticipated ever becoming a major league baseball player but i thought for sure i would play rookie ball or or a ball somewhere and it it never happened but i would give up anything i even just to work for a minor league uh club for a season or two would be would be fantastic do you know what the players make yeah, yeah, they they're typically at the twenty to thirty thousand dollar range. 
Oh, so I overestimated. My my wife was saying these guys still make a pretty good paycheck, and I said I think it's about thirty five oh, well, thousand. No, AAA. I mean AAA. Well, so AAA again, those are top tier. So a lot of them have. Now my team is my team is the best of the Pacific Coast League. Right, and, and so a lot of them have contract. I mean, big contracts with their their clubs, so they could be making six figures. Uh, Depending, I mean, it depends on the range. It depends on where they're at in their career. But AAA ball players can easily come in around 50, 50K to, you know, 100, 110, 120, uh, if I remember correctly. And, but they're, and, not, they're not rolling in it, though. Well, but some of them might have gotten, like, a signing bonus. Like, they got drafted out of high school or drafted out of college, and they got a, you know, $2 million signing bonus, and... And they're just making whatever the league, whatever the league minimum is at, at their level, but they could have bank somewhere from a signing bonus. I mean, again, what was, a triple A is that that's like the top tier next to Major League Baseball. There's no, there's Major League Baseball, which is the absolute top, and then there's Triple A baseball. There's nothing. And, and that that was one of the interesting things is that watching the game, there was a guy on the team who, when he stepped up to the plate, people who knew what they were watching, not me freaked out stood up they were cheering clapping and i'm like okay what's what's, the deal and this is this is the guy who hits a home run every other at bat yeah so because he's against a pitcher in in minor league baseball especially triple a or are major league baseball players who are rehabilitating down in triple a so he he, i don't know who you're talking about I, i i don't i didn't look at the roster but he very well could have been a major league baseball player who's down there, you know, getting his hamstring back in shape so that he can go. And, back and I think he league. was. And that's yeah. the thing. Like, I, I, I believe I saw 18 pitchers that game that the, they cycled through pitchers so frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there were weird things like uh, there was a bad, there was a real bad, run of of walks on base where a guy loaded the bases mm-hmm. and you know typically manager signals the uh, the the catcher catcher and the manager meet up with the guy at the mound the but like the whole team came in mm-hmm. and it was like they put 15 minutes on the clock or something where the whole team just had a powwow about like <laughs> what is the what is the reason for this bad pitching run what is the impact of a bad pitching run? How does this shape the outfield? And when a pitcher is clearly struggling, what does the outfield have to do to compensate for it? And, and like, you just saw these learning behaviors. It wasn't professional in the way that professional is like an oiled machine that just operates. It was professional in the way of, like, we are educating all of the people on the field on how to do this job most effectively. Uh, there were really interesting points in the game where you just sort of go, I wonder what it is that literally everyone's talking about, including people from the other team. <laughs> like, and, and it's funny because that's where I'm at in, in my cycle with baseball. I just recently stopped playing. Um, I had I had a, a, a string of health issues uh, a few years back that just really put a tear on my body and I tried to get back out out in the field, and it just hurt. I, and Do you mean your testicles? Oh, yeah, they, they were involved in, in everything. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, I feel uh, like I feel like that doesn't get enough coverage on the podcast. 
I don't think we've ever talked about my. I don't think my, we ever. I don't think we ever have my bout with cancer. No, but uh, but we'll, we can talk about that some other day. But uh, <laughs> I, I definitely now that I don't play anymore, I, I have definitely uh, have gotten to the point where I appreciate the game a lot more, and I appreciate the strategies and the the thought that goes into to things like pitching changes and how how particular hitters pitched and. I, I I I really I think I enjoy ba- I enjoy watching baseball now a hundred times more th- than I did as a kid. I used to hate watching baseball. I had to play it. I loved yeah, playing me too. it, and I, I had to play it, but I couldn't watch it. Now I can watch it. Now I have an appreciation for it. So here's here's the worst part of the whole saga, and and I say worst part because I'm I'm projecting my perspective onto my wife, <laughs> is that we we had watched Moneyball, not five days before we went and saw this game. Okay. And so I, in my brilliant wisdom and autism, could not help but explain to her everything that was happening in the game and how it related to the movie that we had watched. Okay. And I, I caught myself caught myself doing it, could not stop myself. <laughs> I am just... And and she, you know she, she her facial she's managed the facial expressions to tell me you know I don't I don't care or already know what you're talking about, and I've I've managed to block those out from my cognitive ability and just steamrolled straight over that and said, I know you don't <laughs> care, but I need to get this out. So let me ask you a question: How did you guys end up there? Because I know you're not a big sports fan. Um, you know that I'm a massive TV movie pirate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I go to the bar and there's advertisements on TV, I am enraptured. Like, I, okay. advertisements are a thing I never, ever see. And there's an ad for the game. Like, there's, there's local ads on the bar TVs. There's 50-something bar TVs. Uh-huh. And I keep seeing Sky Stocks. I know the stadium is literally 10 minutes away. I could not possibly have an anxiety attack that I couldn't resolve from that distance. Like, if I needed to go, then that's fine. I could drive home and drive back. It's not a problem. Um, for, for people who, who don't know, I have agoraphobia and crippling anxiety. And I just said, like, the, 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 the ad showed up and it said $2 Tuesdays. <laughs> and I was like... Hey, you know what? If I want to make a if I want to make a gesture of outreach to my wife and children, then I will take them to a baseball game where I am not put in any precarious situation whatsoever, and it will cost me seven dollars. <laughs> awesome. awesome! That's how I that's how I structure my life. All right. <laughs> Unfortunately, I had to go to Denver and on Saturday, and that did not work out nearly as well. <laughs> So the big question: Are you going to go back to another game? Absolutely. Oh, cool. Absolutely. Okay, if I get out there, you and I can go into a ball game. Oh, hundred percent. It was it was a ton of fun, and and like I said, I structure my my activities on levels of stress that they produce, and it was a zero stress activity. It was so easy to just like sit down in the stadium that was as big as the the band concert hall at my high school my my mm-hmm. kids high school mm-hmm. it i had no problem doing it so 
for me, that's that's an activity that I can engage in that's like a real actual person activity without driving myself insane. Mm-hmm. I'm 100% on board with anything I can do that makes me look like a normal person. All right, Mr. Rideout, we're running long. If you got any doom and gloom, you might want to throw it out there now. I don't have doom and gloom, but what I do have is an interesting story about 3D printing guns. Okay. I, th- I think this is actually a very big deal and something that we're going to have to figure out how we're going to address as a country very soon. So the big story is that what happened is absolutely not a big deal, but every media organization has picked up on it and acted like it's a big deal. And okay. I'm not I'm not one of the anti-media people. I believe journalism is the foundation of American democracy, but there is oh, a there is a a glut there there's a problem in America with sensationalist journalism. I, I I think I think I mean I know this is not what your story is about. I have I think journalism has turned very poorly when it realized it had to compete against the internet. And that that need for viewers, that need for for viewership has really tainted what journalism should be. I uh, unfortunately it, it goes back a little bit further than that. It goes to nineteen ninety seven. Um, I don't want to get all the way into it, but CNN was established during Operation Desert Shield and had something to cover 24-7. And then after Desert Storm ended, three more networks had popped up doing 24-hour news journalism, discovered that there was nothing left to cover every day. And so they had to fill it in with op-ed and what most people don't understand is that op-ed is not news, it's opinion, and the person presenting it has no authority whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so it's it turned into a marketing machine that is just a, a, a living nightmare. However, the issue at hand is Cody Wilson. Okay. Some years back, a guy named Cody Wilson decided he was going to try and develop a 3D printable gun. Uh, His motivations for this were reportedly to test the understanding of 3D printing, manufacturing, and the law as it came to firearms and weaponry. He wanted to show that something was technically possible as well as a big concern legally where we 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 treat the second amendment as I, biblical i was about to say, i was about to say we should note that uh this was um here in the us and here in the us uh, a lot of people might not realize this even people here in the us but there are very few restrictions or regulations behind you fabricating your own gun so there are kits you can go out and buy to assemble just about any gun you could you could want to assemble, and it's perfectly legal. You you can make your own gun. I mean, there, there's it's not this big, you know, kooky scientific experiment to make a gun. If if you're a good machinist, you can make yourself a gun. And 
as U.S. citizens, you're allowed to do that. I, I realize that doesn't hold true across the board. The issue with, with um, there was always this perceived barrier of entry to building your own guns. Uh, like I said, you had to be a fairly skilled machinist if you wanted just to do this in your garage. And the issue with uh, 3D printing became, well, you don't really need to know anything you're doing at all. You just need a, a CAD schematic and any child can print a gun and take it to school. And that's where a lot of this kind of starts to say, okay, well, what, what are the rules and regulations about this? Yeah, and and actually, it, you're in California where there are some rules about self-manufacture of weapons. Um, in the majority of states, self-manufacture of weapons is considered Second Amendment right, and there are no regulations whatsoever. Yep. Um, so I need to find I need to find the name of this the gun because it's it's relevant it's actually relevant to the story and also I need to tell my wife to feed the cats because it's, I'm sure it's coming up on microphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we can hear the cats. I think it's cute that you think your wife is there at the house with you. You haven't come to that realization yet, have you? <laughs> That's too sad. It's, it's, it's a little lie I tell myself. She's still here. <laughs> I love her so much. What, what what the people listening to this show need to realize is his wife now is one of the cats. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, no, okay. Reel it back a little. <laughs> not 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 doing that. Um, the the name of the gun, I believe, it's the Validator. But the like I said, the the the, the important thing here was the testing of the existing laws versus the implementations of new technology and how they would affect things like weapons. Uh, fortunately, weapons exporting is a well-covered thing. 3D printed <laughs> weapons are grossly ineffective. Um, and, and I'm sorry, the, the liberator, that's the name. Uh, 3D printed weapons are grossly ineffective. Each each round requires its own 3D printed barrel, and that's using very high density prints that take a long time and might still kill you. And not all components are 3D printed. You still need a firing pin, and you still need a bullet. Uh, but the issue here was that when this happened, the U.S. government essentially said you are exporting plans for a weapon that you have designed to foreign countries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, any newly designed gun whose manufacturer is publicized has to go through the ITAR process. And so the information on how to build this gun was pulled pending ITAR um, uh, 22CRF 125.4 Section 13, technical data approved for public release, i.e. unlimited distribution by the cognizant U.S. government, department, or agency, da 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 It was really, really, really a matter of a matter of law that newly designed weapons have to be approved for wide release. Um, the the settlement results stated that the United States government approved release for designs of this weapon, and so the designs are back online. 
It doesn't mean that printing a plastic ghost, quote-unquote, ghost gun without a serial number or anything is any different than it was before. Mm -hmm. This was a matter of international issue. This was a matter of releasing a weapon design to international agencies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Literally nothing has changed. There's no precedence being set by this. There's no law having been changed. The design for the gun is available again on the internet as of August 1st because designs for guns are not inherently illegal. They just have to go through an approval process. A lot of new, a lot of news organizations are covering this as 3D printed gun is legitimized, 3D printed gun available at home, 3D printed gun back on the internet, et cetera, et cetera. For an American citizen, it means literally nothing has changed whatsoever except that the internet is a worldwide distribution platform, so that's the place you can get it again. When are you printing yours? Never. I am very much bothered by every 3D printing gun-related thing I see. Um, I understand the compulsion, which is why I like Nerf guns. I understand that uh, there is a... There is a human response to the thing that guns do, which is explode in your hands and then destroy something a mile away. It's Mm -hmm. fucking cool. I love it. I've done it. I love doing it. But when I see 3D printing of, of guns being discussed for the sake of I don't want to be tracked by my government, it never smells right to me. It always smells real wrong. What do you mean? Like a code smell. Like when a guy on a 3D printing forum says, I'm really interested in making untraceable lower AR receivers, which is the part that needs to be serialized if you're going to be selling it or distributing it in any way in America. I, I, I think to myself, okay, so it's not the fun part. It's not the home protection part. What part is it? You're doing. Th- Why are you doing this? Why are you trying to go undetectable ghost mode? I mean, like if you look up ghost guns, mm-hmm. that's where the that's where the 3D printing gun community is at. Ghost Guns is a company that makes uh, 3D printers and CNC machines for the purpose of producing guns that don't have a serial number. And I look at that and I go, that's fucked up. Like, it's a gunsmithing provider. It's like a gunsmithing tool shop for the purpose of circumventing tracking legitimate gun production. And you look at it and you're like, okay, but but why? Like, not every one of these guys is in a militia that has a legitimate grievance against the government, and even those um, are usually uh, on the negative end of the spectrum... Like, I, our print, our printers. Did you know that inkjet printers print a a, a yellow matrices in the bottom right corner that says what printer serial number this page was printed on. Mm-hmm. Yep, I didn't. But but guns don't necessarily need a serial number. No tracking. No tracking. Right. I, I mean that's I, like that's like I understand what, the compulsion. But fight that compulsion, because that's fucked up. Okay. 
Yeah, we we definitely don't have time to get into all that. <laughs> no, I know you have differing opinions, and I've been. St- no, I've no, been... no, I, I, I mean, you'd be surprised how how much I don't really have diff- different opinions, but I do understand the other side's argument, and and it's a legitimate argument. So it was, it was until automatic weapons were made illegal. All right, so listen, you 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 kind of <laughs> you you spent a long time on that one, but you did bring up something else. I I wanted, which is kind of doom and gloomy as well. Uh, I love it. I love when you do this. I love when you get doom and gloom on me. I know. Well, because I feel like I was right about something. And I always, again, I always get yelled at because I'm like, oh, Eric, you don't understand. You're a dick. Da, 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 da. Those are two different statements. And, uh, you know, uh, when a while back, and we talked about it on the show, we don't have to rehash the whole thing, but there was some controversy, controversy around white supremacy and their um, role on Facebook and whether Facebook should step in and do something to, pre- to prevent that. Facebook basically starts shut- shutting down white supremacist and white supremacist group sure, pages. Sure. And everybody was hailing Facebook and saying, oh, you know, think, you know that this is great. And I actually stood up and I'm like, yeah, this seems all obvious and everybody loves it when everybody agrees on it. But what's going to happen when somebody doesn't agree with Facebook's opinion on something? And that kind of came up this week. Uh, I guess Mark Zuckerberg um, is saying that, uh, is you know, basically coming out saying, listen, we're not going to ban Holocaust deniers. We're not going to start banning these, uh, I don't know if, if all the listeners are familiar with the Sandy Hook truthers who basically say Sandy Hook was a government conspiracy. Right, crisis actors. Right. And Facebook is basically saying, yeah, we're not going to ban, you know, we're not going to ban these groups. And now people are like getting, you know, upset. They're like, well, hey, you ban these white supremacists. You you, you should be banning these people. And I'm telling you, they're, they're sitting on a, on a keg of dynamite that's going to just, blow their asses off because oh yeah you know they're and, and unfortunately they're in a no-win situation there is no right answer here and no they're not they're in a win-win situation no i disagree Ban how do them. you see that because they're not a government organization they're not held to first amendment right. restrictions and, and, and that, impose that, your that, own beliefs that's what, that's what end of said. story i think i think zuckerberg is being criticized because he won't impose his own political beliefs on the platform. Now, what he what he said with Holocaust deniers was that people who are ignorant are different than people who are willfully wrong. People who are intentionally spreading misinformation are See, different than people who are unintentionally this is, this spreading is where, misinformation. This is where you know I start to say, well, I think white supremacists are, are ignorant. I think they're. I think they're. They, they I agree. I agree. Ignorance, ignorant people. Ignorance is the foundation of their belief system. You cannot excuse them for being ignorant. I agree 100%. He should be imposing his own beliefs on the platform and stating very clearly, if you are wrong about certain things that I care about, you're gone. And I don't care how many people scream First Amendment rights. They're fucking wrong. They don't have First Amendment rights on somebody else's platform. And the criticism against him is that he is being spineless, that he is favoring money over progression or progressiveness or faith or 
any of those things. And and his sister is speaking out against him as well. His sister's gone public but today and and I, I haven't gone over the whole story with her her interview, but I didn't even see her uh, no, interview. I I think I think I think what he's doing is bullshit. He's saying advertising revenue is more important than ideology. And I don't care if your ideology is right or wrong, if you're willing to sell your ideology, it's wrong. If you think one people are inferior to others, but somebody could buy your opinion, then what you believe is money is superior to everything. <laughs> you, you just you just reminded me of something and I realize I didn't bookmark it and I don't I don't want to put it out there as a straw man or anything, but I, I came across a video this week of a fake lobbyist group that were getting politicians to do uh, um, videos to encourage. Oh yeah, vote. what is America? It's Sasha Baron Cohen's new show where he was getting uh, and, and they he were was getting politicians to compromise ar- ar- themselves. Arming, arming, arming uh, toddlers. Arming toddlers. That's it. You've yeah. seen this. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, unbelievably, there were politicians doing it. It's not unbelievable, the, though. Have you seen the be. hot redhead? Have you seen the hot redhead spy? Mm-mm. Oh, is this... Are you going to tell me a, the picture from the Oval Office? No, this... Uh, the, the, the Russian... The Russian spy who infiltrated the NRA and slept her way to the top to the point that she met with all of the significant Republican evangelicals and congressmen and even met the president and spoke to him on behalf of the NRA, but she turned out to be a Russian operative. She got I, arrested. I'm telling you, there's a picture of her in the Oval Office with Trump. That oh. got, that was a, a misunderstanding where a reporter thought that it was the same person, but it wasn't. And oh, now okay. all journalism, all journalism is fake because this one journalist saw a picture and it looked like the same person, but it wasn't. Ted Nugent just posted the name in the in chat. Uh, Maria Butina. Yeah, that's it's it's dark times for politics right now. Where oh, man, this is bad. Yeah, you. Well, you just wait because what they did was arrest her and collect everything from her home, and they've they announced that she had slept with a significant number of people for the purpose of political gain. What they didn't announce was that the Russian system of training spies was to establish compromat and to record all sexual interactions for the purpose of blackmailing everyone you ever interacted with, and that she met with evangelicals and Republicans at the highest level and probably has recorded video of her sleeping with all of them. Interesting. Fascinating. That's all I can do. That's the best I can do to help you with your doom and gloom. <laughs> Thank You're you. You're welcome. Though. Thank you. You you brought it to a new level. I didn't. I wasn't <laughs> thinking we were going to go there today. All right, we're going to wrap it up. We are way way over. So uh, that's going to do it for episode one fourteen. Is it? Is it one fourteen? Wow. All right, that's it. One fourteen is in the books. I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm John Congdon. Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. <laughs> oh, and I got a cat. Look at that. Look at that. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. 
If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Show notes can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or directly off the PHP Ugly RSS feed. A rating of five stars on iTunes is appreciated. Submit articles to phpugly at reddit.com slash r slash phpugly. Until next week, keep it ugly.